When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tailford, joined by James Dowse. Hi, Scott. And Josh Brown. Oi, oi. Hello. Now, we thought we would do a conversation about the idea of this best six out of ten games. Now, this, I think everyone knows what this is once it starts getting described, because all of us played games over the years that maybe aren't five-star games, maybe aren't super opulent, maybe didn't have incredible budgets or whatever, but they had charm. And there's something about these games, and I'm going to reel off a whole bunch of them because we put a little bucket together of all the games that we think kind of fit the vague idea of what we're going for, and then I want to pick apart this idea that sometimes a good 6 out of 10 game is better than a 5 star product. Now we'll see how we go, whether you agree or not. I'll read out some stuff and we'll try and narrow this thing down, because I think charm and ambition can sometimes be better than refined synthetic stuff. I think you might be onto something there, and before we started recording, you know, I said these are games that we all like because they have a charm. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't necessarily recommend to other people, but then, when we started going through the list, we were all like, (laughs) hell no, I'm going to recommend every single one So um, there will be some in the wrestling world, as they say, pops to some of these because Doritos Crash Course (laughs) is number one. Baby. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll revisit some of these things. So I'll run down a few things. So you've got Doritos Crash Course. You've got X2 Wolverine's Revenge. You've got Cold Fear. You've got Judge Dredd, Dredd versus Death. Yes, you've got Clive Barker's Jericho. You've got the Simpsons okay. trilogy of Road Rage, <laughs> Simpsons Skateboarding, and Simpsons Wrestling. You've got the Die Hard trilogy. You've got Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. You've got the Scorpion King game. Yeah, you let's do. say. Fantastic. You've got the Watchmen game. The end is now. You've got Disney's Hercules. You've got a Bug's Life. Sherlock Holmes Crimes and Punishments. MK versus DC Universe. Werewolf the Apocalypse, Young Blood. Plants versus Zombies, Garden Warfare. Homefront the Revolution. Condemned to Bloodshot. And the original Amazing Spider Man game. Holy moly. I'll tell you this there's only one game there that I take umbrage with, and that's well, Doritos. Doritos Crash course, it as is in a nine out of ten game. Twenty out of ten, Josh. Twenty Brown. out of yeah. ten. Sorry, I was wrong. It's, yeah, there's rarely a metric that can contain Doritos Crash Course. Now, I haven't played Doritos <laughs> Crash Course, but the, the the through line for all these games is that they tried something that, for whatever reason, worked with us to the degree where it gets that reaction where it's like, oh my god, I, that you have that connection with a game. And we're going to get into some of the, another dimension to this, which I think uh, comes from franchise titles expectations um, that are maybe not met, but then you kind of get a relationship to that entry in a well-known franchise anyway. For example, Resident Evil 6, which I know Mr. JB is a fan of. Hell I don't yeah. even mind RE6 these days. Um, and things like um, The Sinking City, which is more sort of like well-produced game. There's the likes of Hitman Absolution, um, which aren't held up as the best entries in their respective um, franchises, but they have that attempt at something. Mm-hmm. And that sort of lets you build that connection. But to go back to the 6 out of 10 stuff, um, what do you guys think? I don't know, just where do you want to, where do you want to take it? What is it about ha- this these games? Half an hour of Doritos Cash Course is all we need to talk about it. <laughs> what a game. What is it about Doritos Crash Course? Do you I've know never... anything about it? No, I know what it is, right, but okay, I've never okay. played it. It is a Total Wipeout. Yes. The game, okay. basically. Yes. But it was a tie-in... Okay, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. 
you know. Um, there was a time with Doritos where they made that and a game called Ham's Way. I'm ninety-nine percent sure, <laughs> and it was just Doritos making games left, right, and center, and they were all good. Oh. They were outstanding. They had oh. some secret sauce, which mm. is weird because I don't really like their chips. But <laughs> when it comes to that game in particular, you know, and the time trials in Crash Bandicoot, you know, like the original Crash Bandicoot yes. games, where you have to do the levels as fast as you can. Uh-huh. I got that same vibe from Doritos Crash Course. It right. was kind of set up in a way where you're just trying to beat these obstacles in as quick a time as you possibly can. And I normally don't care about high scores. Like I'm not going to rerun a level just to get a high score. But me and my brother had such a rivalry over getting the high score on right. the Doritos Crash Course yep. that it became like a thing. I must have played almost almost hundreds out yeah. of hours of yeah. that game because I just needed to perfect the steps. Like right. I needed to get everything perfect, as I'm sure James Douse knows, yep. to complete that course without making a mistake. Well, the thing is with this, right, because was, wasn't was Doritos Crash Course one of the games that came on Xbox? It was one of the first Avatar games. Yes. yes where yeah. you could use your, your fake Miis or whatever yep. the hell they called them. And it's like, it kind of it didn't have any expectation. Like, there was that whole idea that Xbox was rebranding. They were taking, like, lessons from Nintendo or whatever. But that, in nearly all of these games' cases, worked in their favor. Like, no one was expecting Simpsons Wrestling. Totally. And that, was, that worked in its favor. And it, Simpsons Wrestling is dog if you play it now. Unless you have the charm that we do, having you don't give me a side eye, James. I'm giving you a side eye. I Simpsons. If I give Simpsons wrestling to anyone right now, they would run away. Right. Well, yeah. They wouldn't okay. get it. Are we? Are we? Are we fully moving on to the Simpsons right now? We're just doing all of it at once. Uh, okay. Whatever you need. The thing with the Simpsons trilogy, as I, I love that you coined that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Simpsons road rage, skateboarding, and wrestling. The bad trilogy. No, I, I also want to clarify that we haven't mentioned Hit and Run, not because we don't think that's a great game, it but because nice. that's a genuinely good. Oh, yeah, that run. is a genuinely. That's the eight, one. Nine out of ten. Yeah, that's the one people consider genuinely good, whereas yes. the Simpsons trilogy varies in quality. Now, I'm a huge fan mm-hmm. of skateboarding. I'm a huge fan of road rage. Yes. Wrestling, though, is can suck my bum. At the time, you were into it. I wasn't, not even at the time. This ah. is the thing which I yeah. was interested to talk about with you guys. Right. Even when I was a kid, I did not like mm-hmm. Simpsons wrestling. I thought control, like, ass. Really? I just didn't think, it, like, I was a wrestling fan when I was younger, and I was just thinking, why is this not working as I wanted to work? <laughs> why is everyone getting... Whacked over the head with a skateboard and stuff. I didn't like the uh, the animation in, in the Simpsons wrestling is terrible. It yeah. feels like a bunch of like weird vertices come to life. Like it's just polygonal in yeah. a bad way. And like there was, I'm sure Barney was OP because you could just burp <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. And his his uh, burps did like poison damage all the time. So it wasn't balanced. It didn't run very well. The animations were terrible. But it had charm. It there was something charm. in all there. the games had were like sound bites from the characters just on repeat, <laughs> on repeat, on repeat. Like I was saying to Josh Brown just before this, uh, uh, Simpsons skateboarding. Uh, all they used to say was 50-50 grand the entire time. <laughs> Back Ken Brotman, that's all they said over and over again. It's just ingrained in my mind now. So when, if I re- when I'm reading these games out, and obviously we put this list together before we started recording, what feelings come back to you guys? Do you, does it make you want to play them again, or does it give you this that nostalgia? Like It's like, oh my God, I'm like X2 Wolverine's Revenge. Yeah. I played a stupid amount of that, and it was not that good. Like, But in another sort of like thing that we're talking about, um, you know, if you're not stuck under the, the corporate studio thing where everything has to be mirrored, Sheened and put into a certain game mold, Sony, you can try other things. And in, in X2's Wolverine's Revenge, that game's combat system, where you could take on three dudes at once or do a counter, that way you attack a guy in front of you and backflip and hit a guy behind you, that had a cool idea, like a cool premise. That's what stands out to me that does stand the test of time that would give me would make me want to try it again. Yeah, I think there's uh, something to be said that, you know, whilst some people might look at this list of games and say, oh, it's just nostalgia talking. We played a lot of games as a kid, and mm. not all of them stuck in the same way that these did. And I think all of them, you know, did something rather than just being in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Like when we were talking about, you know, 
Douse there was talking about, you know, the 50-50 grind and stuff and hearing those sound effects. Sometimes, I don't know if this is just me being a crazy person, but I'll watch part of a long play of an old video game just to hear the sound effects again because yep. it takes me back and that's what that uh, Simpsons scape You won't listen to game did. music, but you'll put the sound effects oh, on. I do that as well. Well, yeah. I mean, it's good because... The game music doesn't hit me in the same way that the sound effects do, and I don't yeah. know why that is, because maybe it's the repetition of just mm. hearing it and having the kind of Pavlovian mm. response to, you know, you do well, so then <laughs> someone shouts out the score or something like that. I'm not sure, but uh, when it comes to those Simpsons games especially, I would play the crap out of Road Rage, yes. especially yep. today, because I thought that was a lot of fun. See, I only ever played the Game Boy Advance version of that. How was that? Which was, you know, it was a game. <laughs> um but on the PS2, I had Hit and Run. Um, yeah, Hit and Run. And on the Game Boy, I had Round Rage. And Road Rage was good, but it wasn't Hit and Run. Though, no, was it? See, for That's me, I, growing up as a crazy taxi fan, I didn't play Road Rage. I played right. skateboarding and I played Simpsons Wrestling. Because I was just like, like That's all these games were just what's working at the time. We'll do our version of it. Yeah. That's what I was about to say, mm. you know, when it comes to Road Rage, when it comes to even Hit and Run, which is just like... We'll do a GTA in the Simpsons universe. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously Skateboard and Tony Hawk's was massive at the time. Yeah. For me, like, these games are just, like, less good imitators of other good games I liked. So I was well into Tony Hawk's when I was younger, mm. which meant I was well into <laughs> Simpsons uh, Skateboarding. You know, yeah. you're into, like, Grand Theft Auto, you want a bit of that mayhem or Crazy Taxi. In Road Rage, it's like, they don't get there. No. They aspire mm. to be a game that you like, which also helps, I think. And that's why I didn't like wrestling. Right. Because when it came to Simpsons Wrestling, it didn't have that analogue that I enjoyed already, mm. you know what I mean? I was into SmackDown vs. Raw and stuff, which played much differently. And I think that's kind of why that one stands out, because it wasn't already tapping into something that I already enjoyed. I wonder how much, like, you know, because obviously, like you said, we've played a whole bunch of games over the years. Obviously, technology has advanced so much. And, like, the whole idea of, like, so many of these things are licensed tie-ins. Either they were made to tie into a TV show. I mean, you you bought a PS2 to play, um, what was the title, the Sopranos game or whatever yes. it was. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah. would kind of be one of these. That would um, be one of these. That you enjoyed in the new era, even though it was made back in the day. And, like, I played the 24 tie-in game. And it's like, but now, you know, like, so many different games have gotten so much better in terms of average feel. Did you enjoy the Lost game? I, at the time, really did like the Lost game, oh. but it was only because I was seeing the, the people from the show in a, in a controllable thing. That's what I was going to say, because I wonder just how like, how much of the, the love of these things is just we like X thing on TV or film, and then we get to play it in some form, and that's enough. Like the Rugrats game did the rounds for a while yes. back in the day, and it was just because it was something playable. Toy Story 2 is a phenomenal game. I'm, that's yeah. a higher than a 6 out of 10. Yeah. yeah. But... Toy Story 2 game like massively worked because it was a controllable version of something that you already saw and you just don't get them anymore because like now like to turn a game around in the same time frame it's just so rare like you don't get the movie tie-ins unless they're a mobile game like yeah. that's super super rare so like I guess like what do you think of that like is that where the appeal came from or still comes comes from definitely and I think that it's it's such a tragedy that that middle ground has sort of fallen out now mm. if you get like a tie-in game to a you know, a popular TV show or even a popular f film sometimes, it's always like a Facebook game or it's a mobile game. Yeah. And sometimes they could be fine, but it's not like what you used to get mm. with, uh, you know, we got two Buffy the Vampire Slayer games <laughs> and they were all right. They <laughs> the were, alias game's brilliant. Exactly. Yeah. They were like yeah. all these six out of 10 games that, yeah, they wouldn't have set the world on fire mm -hmm. and they probably weren't worth full price, mm. but they had an impact on people and they mm. had an impact on you. And if you're a fan of the show, I mean, we were talking about this this morning in the, in the wind-up. Because uh, we recorded these on the same day. We had a bank holiday. It's true. Um, but we were talking about, Happy you know, Easter, everyone. Thank you. wanting to jump into a kind of title in totality. You know, mm. you want to engross yourself in a project. You want to play all the games. You want to watch the movies they're tied in with. And I think that definitely gets you when you're younger. You know, if I'm watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer, hell yeah, I want to play the Buffy the Vampire Slayer games. I want to read the comic books. I want to do all that stuff. You want to 
in, like consume it on a multimedia mm. level in those games hit that itch and maybe it's because I'm just older but in a way that the Facebook games and the mobile games mm. just don't hit anymore yeah I've, I've just realised that all of the things that you've just said now yeah they are Facebook they're also Fortnite that's true Uncharted uh, is in Fortnite uh-huh. like you could play as Tom Holland Spider-Man Fortnite everything is in Fortnite Oi, you have touched on a great point there because yeah like you want to you know you're yeah. enjoying a current movie the tie-in is going to be mm. in Fortnite. Yeah. It's going to be in Call of Duty. of Affairs. I know. <laughs> Call of Duty Warzone is going to get like, you know, yeah. Godzilla and Kong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Godzilla and Kong. You know, you've got the Ghostface killer from Scream. You know, you've got these weird mishmashes. And I think Terminator Dark Fate was everywhere. Yeah. That didn't have its own game. But it but was in Gears of War. But it was in Gears of War. It was yeah. all over is that the place. Like that, is that just a sad state of affairs in regards yeah. to the average budget allocation that the best this studio, any like licensing studio can do is put it in something else? Yeah. Because yeah. that just is a safer return than uh, you know doing a one-off terminate again i remember my friends bought the ghostbusters skin in Fortnite, <laughs> and that was like a tenner yeah and that was two people yeah <laughs> 20 that's quid for that trying to crank like <laughs> what? what's the most we can charge yeah. for in this limited window of like yeah. speciality or specialty or whatever yeah and um, to try and get as much out of it james douse you nominated buzz lightyear of star command what is uh, it about i don't think i did I maybe it was james brown maybe it was james brown that was james, james brown, brown. James, brown. <laughs> james brown popped in he loves <laughs> he loves the buzz lightyear <laughs> big big fan i mean he's a big fan but buzz yeah like star command <laughs> Yeah. We also mentioned Bugs Life, which is the massive thing. But either one. Both, both great. But yeah. you mentioned Toy Story 2 earlier, and that is the genuinely good yeah. Toy Story-themed yes. game. But Buzz Lightyear is Star Command, which is just weird, it was man. Awesome. It was did a strange you, game. Did you play very quickly? Did you play Toy Story on the PC, where it was um, it was like Virtual Springfield, but it was like, it was like it would be, it would be classed as first person. But you were in Andy's room, and you could play with the toys, and you could do little mini games, and you, there was like a little, so. you could do that little shaker thing, the, little, the red thing with the shaker, and the little, little nozzles. Little, little tiny nozzles, sketch, Edge sketch, right. and it was like um, all them things. Nozzles were in uh, in the bedroom, and it was in it was Toy Story. No, never played that. I, play, I was so young, and it, it was a thing. <laughs> and anyway, you would actually say words. Did you there. in school? Did you guys ever play that game on the computer where you had to keep a skeleton alive for yes. a day? <laughs> yes, that I did. was. Like that, that was weird. I think that like gave me psychological trauma for life. Yeah. Like you have to keep, keep it alive. It's already dead. Well, this is the this is the gimmick. You have to keep, make sure it like has food and water. How have you remembered that? Because it's haunted me memory. for years, That's man. A memory. I, if anyone knows the name of that game, please tell me because I can vividly picture it in my mind. My one was Toy Story Activity Center. The is that what it was? <laughs> Toy yeah. Story Activity Center yeah, from uh, 1998. As a, as a side note, did you ever yeah. play Sonic like School or whatever it was? <laughs> well, it was basically that where you just walked around Sonic School, educational software. Sonic sure. school. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Doing physical education all day long. I can't remember where we were. Buzz Lightyear, Stack Buzz Man, uh, Yeah, Buzz Lightyear, Bugs Life, yeah, Die Bugs. Hard Trilogy. Well, that's it. All those, because they're, they're all PS1, right? Mm-hmm. Unless mm-hmm. I'm misremembering. Like, a lot of those sure. PS1 games where they're just so rudimentary. But uh, they're, they're it fun. Yeah. It worked. I don't know if there's something in here that translates into my love of indie games. Like, I don't need no. everything to be big, opulent, crazy stuff. I can, like, like Slipstream. I'm loving Slipstream. And that's a throwback to old school outrun, um, you know, like 90s arcade race like on the dawn of 3D, like all the blast processing stuff that went alongside all the Mega Drive Genesis stuff, Slipstream is a love letter to the, to the way that those racing games used to work. And that does one thing, but it does it really, really well. And uh, and so I can get an, I can get a nice amount of time out of that. I don't need an 80-hour opulent five-star thing, um, Horizon Forbidden West or whatever. Like, I don't need them all the time. Like, they're great every now and then. But, yep. like, why not? Like, for me, I'm, I'm always like, why not take those budgets and make 10 games, 10 smaller games? Give me 10 Rockstar games. Give me 10 Naughty Dog games. Like, that's way more preferable. Give me 10 more things like this. Lord of the Rings, The Third Age. Give me, give me those things. 
Yeah, I fully agree. You know, you mentioned going back to The Sopranos recently, but that was part of the joy. It wasn't just the, mm. the pop of, you know, being able to say I was playing Sopranos Road to Respect. It was knowing that it was going to be a five-hour tops experience. Right. And you just kind of consume, like, these weird one-offs, like like you said, wouldn't happen now. And it's not just because they wouldn't happen now, but it was, it was like a variety of... Mm things at the time and yeah a lot of these things were definitely overpriced when they first came out like no doubt about it but when you got them in the bargain bin which <laughs> I did for almost all of these titles like I didn't get X-Men to Wolverine's Revenge for years because I, oh, was, really? I would just rent it over and right. over again and I eventually got it when it went down in price at Game Station or whatever but like when you get those games cheaper and you can smash through them like I have such fun memories of going to Game Station mm. and I think it was you know uh, sometimes like 3 for £10 or something and you just kind of load up and then you play those for the next few weeks and you have your like like middle tier games well, they were a lot of fun even rentals like, as like a thing like I mean like if you rented games when you were younger there was just probably a specific place that you used to go to and that that was like a staple part of how you or your gamer diet, like how you experience more and more games. That's obviously just gone away because you don't you don't on your digital rentals. Game Pass is kind of in terms of getting access to a wider library. That's kind of Game Pass, but that is another thing that just kind of went away. Um, Mr. James Dallas, you did nominate Plants vs. Zombies: Garden Ooh, Warfare. What Ooh. a game what that a pull. was! Outstanding game. Did you play the iOS game much? Did not. Tell no. me more. I know nothing about Plants vs. Zombies yeah. other than no. My wife played it back when I first met her. Okay. And I was like, I don't know what this is. It was a mobile game, so. I Ran the other it was way. just uh, tower this. defense, was it not? I have oh. a unopened copy of Plants vs Zombies Garden Warfare, and I've had for ten years. I got it off a friend. In, <laughs> uh, I, will, I will. I hope you don't listen to this because I didn't open it. and no. didn't even play it once. So no. sorry about that. Please tell um, me about what I'm being missing, please. Right. So basically, it was a 2D uh, tower defense game on the iPhone, and then it came to a third-person shooter by mm. EA, and. Oh, I can't recommend it enough. It's so good. Uh, there was two sequels after that. There was uh, Garden Warfare 2 and Battle for the Neighborhood or something like that. Because that was that didn't... weird pivot that they did where it was like, um, obviously, like you said, they're tower defense games. They're like 2D. They're nicely animated. I forget the name of the dude who's who created it. Mm-hmm. And then it was PopCap or whatever wanted to do or EA wanted to do more like franchise that I'll do more yeah. games and he was like this is way bigger and more forced than I ever wanted it to be I'm gonna leave yeah. and then EA went okay let's just do as much as possible and just like wrote it into the ground well they worked they were good right yeah, okay the first so one like- anyway uh, but it was very much just a well made shooter mm-hmm. um which had no excuse to be that good. <laughs> no excuse at all. I hope people talking about it, but I guess like the, the love of the originals kind of carries over anyway. Yeah. Like they were smaller releases at the time. Um, um, one thing I was going to mention is that kind of general feeling of like f- like franchise tie-ins. Like you see something in the cinema or the TV or whatever, you go home, you play it. There's something about controlling what you've just seen, like mm-hmm. that we don't have anymore. Like I feel like now, like some of the bigger titles or some of the bigger studios are trying to bring that stuff back, but just the sheer reality of how long it takes to make a big opulent video game like kind of breaks that connection again. Like we're getting a new Indiana Jones, but like when was Indiana Jones' last movie? It was like 2007 or something. That's it. And even, you know, odds on that the new Indiana Jones, I'm pretty sure they've already confirmed actually, the new Indiana Jones game, hmm. it's going to be a brand new original story. It's not going to tie right. into the movie like it might release around the same time to, you know, capitalize mm-hmm. off that. But even the kind of franchise tie-ins that we get now, uh, for, for better, for the most part, I think, are just, you know, entirely their own thing. Yeah. Like, Famously, the Batman Arkham Asylum, like that was going to be a Dark Knight game mm-hmm. tie-in. That got canned. It became Batman Begins game's really good. Arkham Asylum. Batman Begins game is quite good. I think that might even be on the list. Six out of ten. But I didn't put it on the list, but it is now on the list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now that's kind of morphed into if you see something in the movies, you're going to get something kind of similar, similar mm. to it. You're going to get Square Enix's The Avengers, which is kind of like the MCU, but not. They're so late, though, with that. Totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm 
mm. just like talking about like this is kind of how it's changed. Even that, which is so trying to be the MCU, doesn't go all the way and properly tie in with it. Same with Guardians no. of the Galaxy, Marvel's Spider-Man. Obviously, you know that was entirely uh, acclaimed for its mm-hmm. creating creating its own universe. But we don't get those direct tie-ins. We just kind of get well, adjacent. The tie-ins. thing I couldn't believe, I think I said this to you, Dallas, is like how did Sega not have a Sonic, Sonic game has, ready to go? Yeah, like yeah. it's it's a, you could have turned it around so easily. Turn the levels from the movie, turn yeah. the movie scenes into levels. Let you play as the um, the sprite that looks like the movie version like uh, it's just weird like I mean I ended up buying another copy of Sonic 2 because I, like, I want to play this somehow so I bought the Sega Ages version on the Switch but it's like that's a really easy tie and it doesn't feel like they did whereas if you go back to the amount of stuff that we're mentioning here these are all or a lot of them are, are movie tie-ins and it's almost it's almost like that's what helps build the nostalgia or the general like admiration or whatever of these things like Disney's Hercules you saw the movie you loved it you played the game you loved it like yeah. it's not hard to nail those things and I think it's you know impressive that these teams given the time frame and the presumably limited that they had mm. managed to make something interesting because it's not just the fact I think that you're playing a version of something you just seen that obviously plays into it. But you know, I don't think fondly of the X Men Three game. You know, I played that, <laughs> but that thing just that sucks out right. But and the no... movie didn't do well, which kind of hampered it. True, but I also because the bamfin stuff as uh, Nightcrawler was cool. That was cool, but you couldn't choose to be Nightcrawler all the no, time, which was a nightmare. True. And X Men Legends did the teleport and even better. Mm-hmm. I think I was just I didn't think about that though. I liked X Men Three when I was a kid, right? So that didn't hamper my enjoyment or hype for the game. Mm. But maybe that's it as well. Maybe if the movie is bad and we just don't have that connection to it. Maybe the tie-in games we view worse? Because the thing is, like, obviously we're, we're going into, like, licensing, licensed stuff territory, but the overall, like, angle here, like, in terms of, like, there's something about a 6 out of 10 game, and it's like, I was going to put Mad Max on, but I think that's better than 6 out of 10. But in terms of the way that that game was reviewed, it was a lot of 6 out of 10s. It was very formulaic, but, like, it was trying something in terms of the way that game is visually stunning, and, like, the combat's really good, and it's like, sometimes something can excel, even if it is a little bit naff. Like, it's just, there's something to that weirdness that stands out anyway, whereas for Horizon Forbidden West, like, I keep mentioning that game, but it's a really good example of like everyone should love that game like Elden Ring or the original Souls Dark Souls have rough edges and they're more loved because of it yeah totally I mean we talked a lot about um, older games licensed games and stuff where nostalgia definitely plays a part in but I think that hasn't changed today. Like you said, you know, there are still all of these games coming out that we gravitate towards, even though they've got six out of tens in their reviews. You know, mm. I, I think I had the Sink and City down. The, you did. Uh, the HP Lovecraft inspired detective game that, you know, didn't get good reviews. But, you know, when something's just kind of your interest and you think, well, the people don't like it, but mm. it's got enough elements in there that I want to see what it's about. And then you give it a go, and then somehow you're having like a really good time. I like it when you kind of can bypass the reviews almost Mm. and like because reviews are great you know obviously we review games and stuff I read reviews you know they help me inform my decision but no one knows you more than you know you so just because something got a 6 out of 10 something got a 5 out of 10 if you're reading that review or you're looking at that synopsis and you're thinking this has elements of something I want to experience if you can you know afford to take that gamble like always take the gamble always play Mm -hmm. a few hours of it because you might get these like hidden gems or they might not be 10 out of 10 experiences but they have that nugget of charm that no well, I, appeal i knew i was gonna love whacking people in half as a werewolf yes. in werewolf the apocalypse earthblood so i like that i'm mean, 30 pounds to be honest a bit, <laughs> a bit much for that but i did enjoy whacking people in half as, as a big big old werewolf so it's like it depends what um appeals but i think like yeah it's just it's interesting drilling down on um this stuff considering how much the industry is like big opulent games over and over and over again and i think actually it, this stuff in theory ties into the way that xbox are approaching stuff where they're just sort of like here's game pass here's a big chunk of titles 
don't worry about this one all eggs in this basket type release. Here's a bunch of stuff and enjoy it. I guess that's another thing to pick apart. Do you like that approach to the industry overall? As opposed to like, we're so far down gaming history, things should be big and glossy and over the top and whatever. Oh God. All eyes on you. Solve the industry, James Dawson. What a, question. Yeah, what a question. Solve it right now. Well, I was actually thinking, this is a somewhat of a side tangent with uh, Xbox buying Activision. They were the ones who made half of these movie tie-in games. <laughs> yeah. Like, they made the Spider-Man 2 game. They made, I'm fairly certain they made Simpsons Hit and Run, didn't they? Uh, that or was it EA slash EA Activision? One, perhaps. I'm fairly certain it was like a mix between the two. Um, I think that was EA, but the point still stands. They made was, a yeah, lot. They made interactive. like... Right, yeah. Well, Bendy. that was a lie for me. That must <laughs> well, yeah. But either way, like all of these games, I would love it if Xbox somehow figured out a way to bring all these licensed games back onto Games Pass. That's that would the thing. solve everything. Yeah, I mean, sorry, not to cut you off, but in addition, that's the thing. All these games are going away because yeah. all, we said this in the wind up this morning, but all the like monthly service things that are being offered Nintendo Switch Online, Game Pass, um, and the PlayStation Plus stuff, they can't account for the licenses, whether it be song stuff or just whatever timed thing they had at the, t- at the time when th- something came out. And, like, it's a great part of gaming history. Like, we have a whole bunch of reverence for a lot of these games, and it's, like, it's a shame that there's no way to access them again. That's it, because even at the time, you know, there was a big thing about licensed games, even in the early 2010s, where people were just like, go away, we don't want you. And that was (laughs) true. You know, there was a lot of crap that people were getting swindled into buying, like the Thor video game or whatever, you know, like a lot of really dire stuff. But at the same time, I feel like we wish too hard for them to go away, because now they really have gone away to the point where they haven't been archived in the same way Mm -hmm. that something like, you know, the older Metal Gear Solids or Crash Bandicoot have. Didn't Alan Wake get taken down because of copyright music? And yeah, then they, they resold it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, then they resold it. So it's just yeah, that's a re-record it, yeah. Like, yeah. that's the thing. For games like Alan Wake, which you know people, other developers love, you know, mm-hmm. like Remedy loves Alan Wake. They're going to want to spend the time and effort to make sure, they to fight for that game mm. to make sure it doesn't go away. Yeah. But when you get like these kind of like almost shovelware games, you know, the developers might not even be around. No one's well, going to care mm. about them in the same way. And that is disappointing. Is there such a weird twisted irony to this that like these games were very much made to be a one and done, very much yep. made mm-hmm. to tie in with a movie to have their 15 minutes of fame, like maybe for a month or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how many of these we actually finished. When I think about these games, I don't think of their end credits. I think of when I when I played them, some of the first levels, some of the whatever, for the few hours that I played them. But the weird dark irony is that we value these things more than mm-hmm. those companies ever did. Not the studios who made them necessarily, but like we're the ones going like, oh my God, I'd love to get hands on Judge Dredd Dread versus death again. Yeah. Then, then that's never going to happen. Oh, absolutely! Like the the movie studios who were you know green lighting these things, mm. making those deals, absolutely viewed these gaming tie-ins, especially in the mid two thousands, early two yep. thousands, as the equivalent of like having their toys in a Happy Meal. You know, it's just kind of like yep. one business thing where it's disposable, yep. like you said, in just the, a box to tick. Really. Exactly, a box to tick. It was no long term thought about viewing them as art or whatever, you know, documenting them. And I think even for games that have a lot of creative spirit behind them, uh, the Scott Pilgrim vs. The World Mm. game, for instance, like that was delisted for so long because Ubisoft just didn't want to figure out the rights to get it back on sale. And then a remastered version finally came out after years and years of, you know, people kind of clamoring for Mm. it. And that's just like one example. That happens to so many games and not all of them have the fan kind of base to bring them back. So if you want to go out and play X-Men 2 Wolverine's Revenge, you have to go get a PlayStation 2. Well, it's like it's quite like like telling that like, because you played the Spyro's game, but you have to go and get a PS2 and like get like an HD upscaler thing and do that. And like I, there's a bunch of games that I've played that are only on my N64 until Nintendo announced that they were going to put the Switch online stuff. And then I was like, I've just wasted a hundred pounds getting my N64. (laughs) But to some degree, there's still going to be hidden gems on N64 that are are six out of 10 games. 
um, you know, that like you're going to have to go and get the console to play. And it is, it's almost one of those archivist style things where they should just be available. But like, I just feel like there's a, there's a real like value to these games that like, it's just, they're, they're only going to be forgotten about in an industry that only focuses on the biggest, most opulent over the top stuff. And that's a shame. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Game Pass earlier. Mm. I do think that's helping a lot, you know. One of the yeah. first things that I did when I got the Xbox Series X was go in and download a bunch of games that I either didn't play or I had a lot of fun memories for. So right. I got, like, Skate uh, 3, you know. I got, like, Brothers in Arms Hell's Highway and stuff. And <laughs> Brothers in Arms Hell's Highway is probably, like, a 6, 7 out of 10. <laughs> but I managed to be able to replay it at incredibly cheap cost, very accessible, upscaled, you know, auto HDR yeah. and all that stuff. It's like, that should be the way forward. I know you can't do that for all the licensed mm. games because that is too complicated. Mm. But there are 
so many kind of underrated titles from the PlayStation 4 era, the Xbox 360 era, all the way back to the PlayStation 1 mm. era that could be easily available, part of these franchises that shouldn't be totally forgotten. And it's not just a nostalgia kick. It's not just me trying to relive my youth. It's I have a question. Do you think if, like, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be someone who has, like, AAA expectations alongside them, like an Ubisoft or an Activision or whatever, but it could be them. Do you think if um, any game studio brought something out that was as refined in scope as these games were, like one set of mechanics that's done really, really well. So it's like what the indie scene does now, which is why I love it so much. But if you has, um, because you get the EA originals, you get like Joseph Farah's doing his thing. And it's like, do you think if, if we got ostensibly a PS1 or PS2 game now, would that sell? Or like, does does an audience, do, do the, does the average gamer just go, that's fundamentally outdated? I think you'd have, if you fix the graphics, if you just made something look quite nice. I mean, I know that when... Um, uh, Ninja Theory made uh, Hellblade. Their whole mission statement was we want to make a AAA-looking game on an indie budget. And it's like, is the only thing that we need to care about to punch through to the mainstream graphics? Or is it like gameplay and longevity and replicating something for 30 hours in an open-world game and whatever? Because I think if bigger studios did more stuff like this, it would still go down well. And it's like, and you can point to stuff like a Hellblade, in that, not sorry gameplay-wise, but like in terms yeah. of the, the production budget. I think the distinction that needs to be made and what the publishers need to take on board is the scaling cost. Mm. I don't think you can deliver those games and charge 70 quid for them like Sony might no, if they were true. a first party. You know what I mean? I think Hellblade was definitely, it wasn't full price, right? Like that was... I don't think so. It's some discount, you know, maybe $40 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at Cana Bridge of Spirits, 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 which is kind of like a PlayStation yeah. 2 game with really fancy graphics. I remember people ways. saying That's that people as a negative. Saying, yeah. Oh, it reminds me of PS2 platformers. One of the best fucking, one of the best platformers <laughs> ever, is it? One of the best. I'll what? swear on microphone. <laughs> the best what? <laughs> Jack and Daxter. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Like you know what I mean. The like, that came out at thirty pounds or yes. whatever it was. Like I think gorgeous game. I think if as long as they're not charging premium price for them, you're not charging the same as an Elden Ring or a mm. Horizon or whatever. I think you can get away with it. It's just a lot of publishers, especially big publishers, you know, like Activision EA and stuff, they are getting there, but they're very unwilling to move on that price point. If anything, they want to knock it up. Because <laughs> it was like, it was funny when um, there was like that rumor came out about Sony slash Naughty Dog remaking The Last of Us. And it was like, well, they greenlit that because while Neil Druckmann and Holly Gross and the people who made Last of Us 2 decide what Naughty Dog's next big thing is, all that personnel are just waiting. So, oh, you might as well go and remake The Last of Us 2. Let that wing of Naughty Dog do a new thing. Yeah. Like, just that, like, I, that's that side of gaming that I miss. Um, and it, like I said, it's why I gravitate towards the indie stuff. It's why I love the likes of the EA originals or the Ubi art stuff. There was like, there are little in- incentive, a little um, projects put together to sort of incentivize originality and creativity. And as much as these are licensed times, or some of them are, um, you know, you still the has charm, creativity, had original ideas, things that weren't bled out a million times, like a Dying Light 2 or whatever it is, where it's the same idea over and over again. Um, James Dow's thoughts. Can I, as a side little note, yes. uh, going back to about games that like don't exist anymore, like you can't get them anywhere, what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, I was looking yesterday at a game called Fairy Tale Fights that nice. I used to play on Xbox when I was much younger. <laughs> and um, I went on YouTube, 10,000 views was the highest viewed video. Right. You can't buy it because that studio dissolved and just disappeared. Mm-hmm. And like, as you were saying with all these uh, games that you just can't buy anymore and mm. just lost in the ether. I think that's just going to happen to half of this list. You're never oh, yeah. going to see any of these games again. Clive Barker's Jericho is people, not coming back. Yeah, the people who made them don't 
exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you're never going to see any of these games. It, it, it sucks because, you know, like you can say you can go out and buy a second-hand PlayStation 2, you can buy a memory card, you can buy the mm. controller, mm. you can plug it in, you can get the adapter, you can try to track the games down. But sometimes you track the games down and they're like 40 quid. Yeah. And who's going to pay 40 quid for backyard wrestling or whatever <laughs> it is? You know what I mean? <laughs> I want to relive my youth, but not for 40 pounds, I think my I friend. spent about 30 pounds getting ECW Hardcore Revolution. Because <laughs> right. that was one of the early wrestling games where you could put someone through a table. And yes. I was like, I want to do that. I want to, I want to, I want to get access to these uh, unique gameplay mechanics. Is this unfortunately why emulators exist? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the weird, that's just never talked about though. That yeah. like people love these games. And if like, if you want to like right now, well, obviously after work, we're at work. After work, you want to go and play Aladdin. Yeah. Like eventually Disney put that on the Switch, yeah. but it was really overpriced and ridiculous. But if you want to go play The Lion King or Aladdin or Hercules or whatever, you can do that on a PC in like yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, and it's, I'm going to be doing that on my Steam Deck, but like it's not massively legal, but it's like mm-hmm. the only way yeah. to do this stuff. Yeah. Like that's like, it does like serve, that's one of the only ways they can serve that market. But I feel like with an aging demographic, um, you know, 25 plus or whatever, they have all these reference points that aren't available anymore. And it's, it's just a weird way that the industry has gone, even though I get it, I get the push towards more professional looking games or whatever it yeah. is. But I miss the six out of 10 games. It's mm. just, I think, you know, especially back in the day, you know, late 90s, late 80s, mm. even the early 2000s, I just think a lot of the companies just kind of sell them as toys. And you yes, don't yeah. keep toys, you, you throw toys away. And that mm-hmm. was such a short-sighted thing that has, you know, screwed us over <laughs> all these decades later where they're just kind of in a landfill somewhere. And it's like, that blows. Mm-hmm. I remember getting them from uh, watching Cars at the cinema. Oh, yeah, Cars. Uh, Fantastic film. Cars 3, great game. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Okay. It's got uh, drifting in it. Well, Burnout. Yeah, sure. Um, when I got home, there it was, cars for the PS2. Yes. And that just entertained whatever year old me, 10 year old me, for months. Mm-hmm. Well, that was it. You know, seeing, going to see the first Fantastic Four movie, yeah. being a kid, so thinking it was good, coming back to play the Fantastic Four game, not going to church because you like literally skiving church yeah. so I could get up. <laughs> And play the Fantastic Four yeah. game instead. Sinning. Yeah, he's sin- God sinning, wanted. Season five. sinning for an at best three out of ten game. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I forget where I said this now because I've been on a lot of, in front of lots of microphones today, but I've been playing Sonic Forces <laughs> because I need to play Why? something after Sonic, Sonic 2. Related, yeah. yeah, and it's, it's just that feeling of like, it's that exact feeling of just, and I know that's more of a licensed thing that you yeah. need to tie, in, tie into that energy that you both of you are describing, but that was the thing that I couldn't believe Sega didn't um, capitalize on that. But overall, it's just that idea of more games. There, I feel like we played a bigger variety of game mechanics back in the day and like that was more ideas being greenlit and it was less about the big, the, the word AAA didn't, it wasn't even a thing as mm. a designation of a game, it wasn't a thing. And I feel like the overall um, amount of creativity in the space was applied to things like this that got in front of people a bit more maybe they were tied to a movie or whatever they were and I think that's replicated in the indie space now um, but and obviously the indie space has come a long way but like there's something about this period in, in, in time and it's not that there's not newer examples um, like The Sinking City or like The Medium or Hitman Absolution or whatever um, but there's, like I said there's something about that 6 out of 10 game and they happen to be licensed ones a lot of them yeah. mm-hmm. um, but I think overall I will always I will always cherish the 6 out of 10 game yeah Always, and I even cherish them now. You know, I remember <laughs> getting back into sort of indies and stuff, like you said. In mm. for me, uh, what is that game? Shadow Warrior. You know, like yes, the, yeah. the Shadow the Warrior Three. Shadow Warrior. Yeah. It did. I'm excited to play it. But yes. I remember getting Shadow Warrior One and thinking, like, this isn't AAA. It's a little bit rough, but it's it's aspiring to be AAA. Right. You know what I mean? In a really earnest way. And they had something with that game. Mm. You know, 
it was it was essentially trying to do what Doom did before Doom properly came back in you know 2016 and was like he's an old school shooter. Mm-hmm. Like this was like he's an old school shooter by a bunch of people who clearly really enjoyed those. And it didn't quite get there. I think it's probably better than six out of ten, but it's probably not better than seven. Maybe I, I would say that's a good six out of ten game. Right? Okay. Yeah. But the, like, it had like the, the the thing that you wanted. It tapped into something that we gamers hadn't had for a long time, mm-hmm. and it delivered on it. And I think that's what a lot of we're missing now. You know, someone seeing a gap in the market, someone seeing a niche, and being able to mm-hmm. capitalize on it in mm-hmm. a way that these daft games did well i yeah and like, like that pray for the gods game that i mentioned so much like yeah. that is a perfect six out of ten game it's not very refined but it has charm and ambition and like a, a bunch of cool mechanics what if dark souls met shadow of the colossus like there's there are cool things there with regular you know, bits of breath of the wild in there too we seem to have forgotten about the entire lego games because right. they were all tie-ins and yes. they were all in my eyes good <laughs> but i know to some people will be rubbish I um, think they are, they skew like a seven or an eight for what they're okay, going for. Yeah. But I mean, what was the uh, Lego racer or Lego kart racer or something? The one you built oh, your own carts? That Lego low. Cool. Yeah. There was something. Yeah. Like there was some there was like, millions. Yeah. There was the big kart racer boom in the two thousands and yeah. Lego got in there too. And I remember being able to build your own cart. Yeah. That was cool. Honestly, even that is kind of like the beginning of the Fortniteification of yeah. licensed <laughs> things. Cause yeah. it's almost like you can have the thing you want, but it's going to be in packaged in, yeah. in another form. It's going to have to be inside another brand mm. like Lego, like mm. Fortnite or whatever. So I, that's why I actually didn't play many of the Lego games because I was okay. thinking I want, you know, to play these movies, these TV shows, whatever, mm-hmm. but I don't want to play it. Lego. Lego. Yeah, I'm, not okay. of, I'm not a fan of Lego. We also gave it the right. It is called Lego Racers. 1999. Lego there you go. Yeah. Back into the day. Whoa. That- yeah. The Lego, Lego was a different beast back then. Yeah. Like all the Lego City undercover stuff, and like they, they, they're now they're a licensing bam off, like, yeah. as is evident by the new Skywalker saga and everything. I remember as well uh, the Incredibles being a game. Yes. I remember the PS2 version <laughs> of that, and I always wondered what they'd do for the Incredibles two if they'd do a tie-in Lego. It was just a Lego game. Uh, yeah. So, that's, but that, see, that's such a shame as well because the Incredibles is such a great base yeah. for a video game. You know, all the power sets are there. I mean the. The, the first tie-in was all right. It was great. It was yeah. really difficult. Did you play that, Scott? Which one's that? The Incredibles. No, I, I didn't. I don't like The Incredibles. Oh, you, you silly oh, goose. You I silly, didn't think it was that good. You silly goose. I just couldn't. I just should be watching Lord of the Rings. There was a level where Dash had to run to school and you ran. It was great, man. Is it like Sonic in 3D? Because that sounds like Sonic in 3D. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, they're, they're just the Fantastic Four. So you had the yeah. Fantastic yeah. Four yeah. moveset on games, but it's like... The, the basis is there to make something interesting. Yeah. And like you said, you know, they just decided not to in bed safe <laughs> and have the Lego version. Yeah. It's like, that's that's probably good. It's probably a good game. Yeah. But it's it's not new. It's not First something else. Half of The Incredibles Incredible. Second half, not that good. The full metal jacket of Pixar movies, <laughs> I would what? say. We should end, though, on um, something you mentioned, Mr. Josh Brown, the Scorpion King game. Hell yeah. What's that about? The Scorpion What's that King. about? <laughs> oh, man. Honestly, all the mummy games are kind of these exact what we're talking yeah. about, like these six out of ten yeah, yeah. all right things. Playing as Imhotep, doing a big jaw thing, <laughs> sucking up stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Honestly, man, the first mummy game plays like just ass. Yeah. It's not good whatsoever. If, if Kirby was a real person, you'd be Imhotep. Yeah. Yeah. With okay. a big, dislocate the jaw. Mm-hmm. Suck it all up. Yeah. Carry on. It's Kirby. Oh, that's why, the, yeah, that's why they've really never done it. Untrustworthy. Yeah. yeah you wouldn't yeah. like to see that. But He's the Scorpion King game uh, was about as good as the Scorpion King movie. <laughs> Two six out of ten products that kind of have something about them, man. Yeah. Whether it's Dwayne Johnson. Is his the, voice in it? Like, really? I honestly wouldn't like to say. Um, <laughs> it's uh, early enough in his career that he might have been be, able yeah. to get him. Because mm. I think 
That was his first like starring role, right? His first big one. He'd done like Walking Tall and Welcome to the Jungle. And Had then... he already done that by then? I mean, right. Scorpion King was his first thing. Ah, yeah, yeah, I'm right. I know playing the actual Scorpion King and the Mummy was his yeah. first thing, yes. but I can't mm. remember about the spinoff. But anyway, this spinoff was like a third person, you know, action game. And it was just... It was just a lot of fun. I just have such fond memories of it. Like like you said, you know, going around, like it was a game that I would take around friends' house, right. houses to show them. Like that's how yeah. impressed with the Scorpion King I was. <laughs> and it, I think a lot of those like kind of bog standard third person action games, mm. if you put like a, a little flourish of violence in there, like some interesting locations, which they obviously have because mm. they could just pull them from the movie. Like you can get something uh, cool and worthwhile out of that. I think that, and that's the thing, I, there's this is an ongoing conversation because I wonder if, if you gave a kid that game, if you gave them like The Soprano or something that's really primitive in regards to where we are now, if you, if you literally think of it as evolution over time, would they get it? Would they have fun with it? Or would they be like, this sucks, dad. This, it's, I want to play <laughs> Fortnite where it's, the animations are smooth and everything looks nice. I mean, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, if you give a child, even back then, The Soprano's Road to Respect, <laughs> I don't think they would appreciate it. You've got, you've got a video game adaptation of a TV show where it's about a mobster going to therapy. Like, that's just so many degrees. If you need to swap it for 24, you swap it for 24. <laughs> I'm just saying that there's no, a, a level of appeal. I think you're right there, though. I think, you know, like the ones we're talking about today have a very specific appeal, but mm. I do not doubt, because we have mentioned some of them, that there are going to be um, equivalents for yes. people who are growing up right now to be able to look back on and think, man, that weird Sink and City game that I played when I was younger <laughs> really got me into HP Lovecraft-style horror, really yes. got me into horror in gen- general. Like I think a lot of these games are actually just touchstones for interest in a subject or a genre or something else. It's like your first entry point into mm. it. And they're good enough to facilitate that and give you something that isn't in the gaming space otherwise. And I will always take flawed ambition over boring, pristine box ticking. Like yeah. just I'll always say that. Give me give me a million diehard trilogies. Is all I'm saying. A million. A million <laughs> diehard trilogies or all this Simpsons trilogy. That's three million diehards, Scott. I, the, that game was a driving game of first-person shooter lighting. Uh, like would you dip, rather not play as Mr. Diehard in Fortnite? Mr. Hard himself. Mr. I, uh, maybe. It depends what you can... No, because I've got to... <laughs> then I've got to do... A, I was thinking I want to be John McClane, but then I was like, well, I've got to do a Battle Royale thing, innit? Well, here's the thing. He was in Call of Duty Warzone. The Nakatomi yeah. Plaza was in Call His of Duty Warzone. His face wasn't in there. <laughs> that's no. very true. Looked nothing like him. But... I mean, that's what that's like. Yeah. Like Dow said, that's that's your option now. That's the you future, want to Die Hard in the future? I will buy a PS One and buy Die Hard trilogy before you see me playing any Fortnite or Call of Duty with those. I'll skins. see you on the bus, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> um, for now, though, this has been the World Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Hilford, joined by James Dow. Thank you, boys. Thank and you Josh Brown. Always a pleasure. Yeah. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Doritos Crash Course. Doritos Crash Course. What a game. <laughs>
quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.